Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each week, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and challenges in leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. So let me start out by telling all of you how excited I am uh, to have this next guest. Um, Last week, I was actually out of the country and she was uh, scheduled to be on the show and um, the airline didn't cooperate. And so uh, we had to postpone to this week and I'm delighted to uh, introduce to you someone who is uh, greatly accomplished in a lot of ways you're gonna get to meet and and hear from her um, who is a a judge in Massachusetts uh, at the Superior Court um, so without further ado, let me introduce to you the Honorable uh, Shannon Fryson. Welcome, Shannon. Glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, you know, I, um, you know, I have to also be transparent with the audience. You know, I've been um, connected with uh, Judge Fryson for um, quite a, a, a number of months now and just been watching and, and looking at and, and getting to know her through her story and a lot of the, the work, great work that she's doing in the state of Massachusetts, but it didn't start there. And so uh, today's show is focused in on not judging a book by its cover and, um, and also um, just some of the experiences that um, I, a number of our, host, our um, guests have had, and, I, and, and Judge Fryson is no different uh, in that regard that has a story that I think is a powerful story for, for the leaders that listen in every week um, to understand and, and a story um, that I think it is good to have uh, as a reference point. And so um, I want to start by um, having you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, people here, you know, went to Ivy League school and did A, B, C, and D, and then you don't often hear about people with your your pedigree, so to speak, going on to the military service, but it is it is not uncommon. It is something that I'm seeing more and more. I've read profiles. And so I'd love for you to tell your story a little bit about, so when did you know you wanted to go into the Marines? And, and let's start there. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, with regard to the Marine Corps, I essentially made that decision while I was in law school. So I really had not thought about it much before that, but when I was in law school, I went to Georgetown. So I was down in DC, uh, going to school and anticipating graduating um, at the end of three years. And during that time, I decided I wanted a a second career or a second part to my career. And I wanted it to be at least partly physical in nature. Um, And I found out by accident about the Marine Corps Judge Advocate Program which um, is unique in the, in the sense that uh, the, the lawyers who are Marines, we are Marines first uh, and kind of lawyers second. And so you go through you know, the exact same thing that every other Marine goes through in terms of training and you can move laterally uh, if you want to uh, amongst the MOSs if you don't wanna do law. But um, 
I became aware of it when advertising at Georgetown at a time when the services were not supposed to advertise because of don't ask, don't tell. Um, and so it was somewhat of an accident that I found out about the programs, but it was a perfect fit for me. It allowed me to have a second career, uh, one that was uh, well-respected, one in which I served the country, uh, which is very important, and one that was physical. The Marine Corps is very physical. Yeah. So um, I, it, the year after, the summer after my second year, is when I went to officer candidate school. So I sort of officially became a Marine um, the summer of 1994. Okay, okay, excellent, excellent. And so um, you, so how did you end up um, in this, this uh, advocate, I, I can't, I can't get it right. I know you told me earlier, the, the general- Judge advocate. Judge, judge advocate general. Um, how did you get to be a part of that? So, and what, what is that exactly? Because I know that military court is different from the court system that we're familiar with. Um, how, how did you end up there? Uh, it is different. Um, the judge advocate general program, it really just is the name for the lawyers in the Marine Corps or the military lawyers. We are called judge advocates, no matter which branch you serve in. So um, for lawyers coming aboard, coming into the program, you are assigned to the judge advocate program unless you state that you want to do something other than law. So um, I immediately came into the Marine Corps via the judge advocate program. I was in officer candidate school all the way through the basic school. I, I knew sort of where, where I was going to be put, not, not the base, but I knew I was going to be practicing law, as opposed to the other officer candidates and officers who are sort of competing for an MOS at that time. So um, with lawyers and pilots, you can sort of be pre-designated to go into those fields. And so that's gotcha. how I did it. Ah, okay. Okay. Excellent. So, because you never know, someone may also be listening in that um, hadn't considered that as an option and would, would, uh, would. I hope so. Let me know. Yeah. I'll send you to right to a great recruiter. Yeah. Excellent. If you are interested in becoming a Marine officer. Excellent, excellent. And so, um, so to our topic, um, so, so you become a, uh, a member of this core and, um, you know, and this is, this is the case with a lot of young people of color um, that are in roles that are, you know, very uh, important and um, have, have authority have oversight over other individuals. Um, but, you know, most importantly, it's a leadership role. You know, you officer, you were, you know, on top of that and, you know, you were or are a, a Marine. And so all of this um, for some um, who have never been, um, you know, under the leadership of someone uh, in number one of color, um, but they, it's, it's different. And they they don't sometimes don't know how to respond and react, um, and and so I, I'd love to know: um, Did you have a mentor or mentors uh, while you were 
you know, kind of getting your sea legs, so to speak. Um, because for me, I was a very young um, professor. And, and I just think back, if it had not been for people mentoring me, I wouldn't have made it. Um, and they, you know, sometimes I'd step on, you know, in the wrong place, step on people's toes and not know any better. Um, but it just the mentorship. Um, how important was that to you? Very important. I think that, that is goes that goes across the board. Probably every field that you could be in, any industry, uh, law is no different, and the Marine Corps is no different. You, um, you, you know, you certainly have your leadership chain of command, uh, your official chain of command at all times available to you, but uh, you do form relationships that are mentoring relationships outside of that. And I've had um, several uh, during my time in the Marine Corps, beginning, you know, with my first duty station in North Carolina. And so it's sort of as soon as I came aboard the uh, Marine Corps Air Station New River, uh, one of the um, uh, officers, Black officers, senior to me, working at one of the squadrons, just took me under his wing, um, told me everything I needed to know about sort of getting along on that air station, um, about the evaluation system and how to do well uh, via that. Um, and just some things that you, you, you can't really ask everybody. Um, and just as a social network, uh, he and his wife were very uh, important to uh, me developing socially as, as well in that, in that form, uh, forum because you can't, you can't socialize with everybody as an officer, right. you can't socialize right. with enlisted members, you can't socialize with different different hierarchies. And so um, it, it can be very challenging mm -hmm. and a little bit daunting for a, a single black um, uh, young person. You know, all yeah. of a sudden um, I would go from Chicago and DC and Boston to, you know, the North Carolina, right, which, right. You know, have nothing against. Right, was, right. <laughs> I lived on the water. It was beautiful. Sure, but sure. it was a a culture change. Oh, sure, and, um, sure. And difficult to just be be there alone. So yeah, mentoring yeah. is is important professionally and socially. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And and so you know, just thinking about so going back to you know being young and being. Uh, you know, kind of challenged with people questioning your authority. Um, did you ever feel that what, as you were going through, um, whether it was, you know, your training, that people judged you just based on what they saw and who they saw? Um, tell us a little bit about that, you know, because, you know, I, yes, it, it, I am it, black American. So yeah. <laughs> that definitely has happened and yeah. still happens. Yeah, sure, I, don't think you, sure. I don't think you get to get around it. Um, yeah. You know, it's not just, it's not specific to black people in this mm -hmm. country, Yeah. but I took a course with uh, Professor Martin Kilson, the late Martin Kilson mm -hmm. uh, from Harvard. I took a couple of courses with him uh, mm -hmm. while I was there. And one of the courses he talks about the, um, the development of cities vis-a-vis -vis race. Mm -hmm. And so in all the major cities, he talked about um, basically the, the departments that we think of as, you know, the traditional city departments now, police, fire, yeah. um, all being um, white 
<laughs> um, yeah. mostly Irish at the beginning, you know, yeah. no Jews allowed, no blacks allowed, no women right. allowed, you know, um, and, and how that developed in basically in each city, almost the exact same way in which um, what, what he called white ethnics were first allowed into those um, institutions. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it literally went from a uh, color cast. So, you know, um, white mm -hmm. and blonde, and then, you know, okay, we're gonna let in Italians, and then yeah. we're gonna let in Polish, uh, and then we're gonna let in Jews, and then we're gonna let in Blacks. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he described uh, the country in a way in which there were caste ethnics and so oh yeah you yeah. as some people um as white ethnics you could sort of pass as wasp if you chose to oh yeah whereas yeah. folks who physically look different yes. by color and characteristics could not ever do that that's right um and and the different paths that that people and families took based on that um and so you know, me being uh, dark skinned, black, um, and, and having some other features too that look a little different. Yeah. I, I absolutely have been judged by that um, yeah. in, in the Marine Corps um, as a lawyer within the trial court, yeah. on the bench, um, everywhere I go. And yeah. so I'm, I'm sort of constantly in the business of um, correcting people or <laughs> um, surprising yeah. them yeah. or whatever yeah. the case may sure. be as to who I actually am. Yeah. And um, so, so that, I think, you know, that that's a common experience. Sure, sure. And, you know, it, it's funny to hear you, you mention because a lot of people don't talk about the ethnics, right? Um, that, mm -hmm. that exists. Um, I'm going to, so most of my life, um, you know, so I, I told you before the call, so I was born and raised in Alabama, um, went to college in Louisiana and then came to New England. Um, and so I spent, actually, I spent most of my life in Connecticut. And so um, I never will forget, um, I was at a social event and there were these two, uh, and I, I'll frame it like this, who appeared to be white men, just, you know, uh, for lack of better, run of the mill uh, white men. And, um, and so I was talking to one of them and they, the other one came up and introduced them and there was one man with a last name, his last name was Cole. And, um, and, and so the other gentleman said, oh, okay, um, huh, Cole, I don't know any Cole. He was like, how do you spell it? And in that moment, the other guy turned to him, just had this funny look on his face and said, it's English, just like that. And so because I took German in college, I knew I, that interaction, I knew what it was about. It mm -hmm. was, is it coal or coal, you know, from a German, like, is it, is it English or German, right? Yeah, and so yeah. it was just fascinating to see that happen and kind of play out. And yeah. a lot of people don't think about it that way, that there's this judgment that's happening all the time. Are you, are you like me or not? Now, growing up in Alabama, you, we just had white people and black people, you know, it wasn't, right. I, I mean, I'm going right. to tell you, I was shocked even, even to when I first came to, you know, to uh, New England to learn where people were saying, you know, I'd say somebody was black and they would correct me. No, I'm Haitian. No, I'm West Indian. I'm this or that. And I'm like, 
I've never heard like I I mean I was young and I'd never heard that in the South. You know, it was just whatever you but um but but the real challenges, I want to go back to that to you in a in a leadership role. I'm gonna tell you one of you you posted on your LinkedIn this very powerful picture. And I was just so proud because, you know, there you were standing in your robe with, and I'm sure you got a lot of comments about this one, but you were standing there with your robe and there were two lawyers, I guess, at, you know, kind of at the sidebar and having a conversation. And I was just like, wow, you know, that, you know, where we are, and I know we have so much farther to go, but, um, you know, there you were in control in that situation. And the thing about it is, is that for young leaders, and this is what I want you to speak to, is that, you know, that's, I, I used to be president of a school board, and a lot of people take it for granted. I, for me, as a young Black person, um, it was, it's a lonely place to be. And it's, it's difficult a lot of times to be in that, in that leadership role, decision-making role, because so much feels like it's riding on what you do. And so I want you to speak to that, um, what your experience has been, you know, just as, um, it's not so much that people may have been judging you in a negative way, but putting a huge expectation on you. So I'd, I'd love to hear you. I think that's common too. Yeah, I think that's I think that's also common um, for people of color, um, in particular, in in leadership roles. And um, you know, there, there's a couple of things going on when when a, a black person or an underrepresented person takes over a leadership role. First is the work itself. Uh, we you know we we don't think about that often, but you know, uh, judging uh, my work is. Is, is by itself challenging, difficult, um, emotional, you know, it's a human endeavor. So it has all emotions attached to it. And um, so, that, so that's the main thing that's going on. And then second is what you discussed, which is, um, you know, the uh, looking up to that person and, and hoping that basically they do everything perfectly because um, you are representing uh, the race, you're representing the culture, you are representing you know, the, the people who look and have your background, who look like you and have your background. And, and there's a lot of pressure to, to be perfect. And of course, no one is perfect. So it's, it's a pressure that's unfair pressure on on people of color I think uh, mm -hmm. to be perfect you know you mm -hmm. don't get to like you say you don't get to make as many mistakes in getting your sea that's legs right. that's right you don't get to you don't get to step on toes and screw something up and still be given the benefit of the doubt right. and still be seen for your potential that's um, right. you know that's right. those things don't happen with us as much it's yeah. it's oh you you messed up oh my goodness see we tried with you negroes um you know th you're that's so it right. you're so right no more. We, at least no we more tried um, we tried you can't blame us yeah um <laughs> and it's not fair it's not realistic yeah uh, we are human just like anyone else who would step into the role mm -hmm. and then i think the third thing going on in that uh forum is is that in those positions you also are looked to 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 be the, the DEI voice, to be the diversity person, to be the person talking about race, to be the person talking about fairness, to be the person talking about disparities, to be the person, you know, and it's like, some people would like to do that. I do. 
Yeah. But I know yeah. other black judges, um, judges of color who don't. They yeah. they want to judge. They don't That's actually right. want to be the DEI person. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So you but you sort of de facto in that role. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Particularly as a leader. And so yeah. those, you know, the work, um, the the pressure to be perfect, and then the burden to carry the 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 race um in that organization it, it's a lot mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and i think it you know it's not just me it's not just you mm-hmm. it i think it happens i see it in different industries mm-hmm. and different uh types of work yeah so I, I i speak about it so that we we can change that you yeah. know and that yeah. um everyone should be involved in the dei work yeah and um you know, to to give uh, people of color some space to develop and grow and become greater than they are. Mm-hmm. You know, we need that space just as much as anyone does. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I've been and I've actually spoken about this on other other broadcasts where I say, you know, I go to I go to restaurants and I'm watching people. I particularly love to watch. Um, how different racial groups raise their children. And um, and so I'm constantly, I'm fortunate enough that my mother is still around and I, you know, I keep going back to her and saying, so when I was a kid, X, Y, or Z, you know, and because I try to get some insight um, on, on how she raised me. And, and so the balance of, and I think this would, this is the thing that, you know, where I'd love to hear you talk about, but the balance of, I want, I want you to feel liberated to be and do whatever you want to do, but understanding there are some constraints because of where we are and who you are, you know, by virtue of the fact that you're black, you know, I, I told this story one time before it was that, um, a, a co- uh, uh, when I was in, I, I want to say we were in about the eighth grade or so, and my uh, a friend, a close friend, uh, was a white boy in town, and his his dad was a banker, and um, and his dad, when he when he was fourteen years old, bought him a nineteen sixty eight Mustang. Okay, (laughs) when he was 14 years old. So bought him the 68 Mustang. We were too young to drive, but I had been driving. I was the only one of my friends that, you know, like I, my mom and dad used to let me tinker around with driving. So I knew how to start it up and kind of get around. Anyway, long story short, we got caught and I was driving the car. (laughs) And so, but my dad told me something very important. He said, you know, I won't be able to get you out of trouble. They'll be able to get their kids out of trouble. So just like understand that, like if something had gone wrong, you know, he wasn't terribly angry or anything. He was like, but I want you to understand they can do things I can't do. So, you know, and, and so, you know, you, you don't, you won't get the benefit of the doubt. And I guess where I'm going with it is that I'd love, uh, I know that in your, uh, in in another post you, you made, you said um, uh, something to the effect that you also have to check yourself about assumptions you make when people appear before your bitch, you know, it's like acknowledging bias. I mean, we all have it. And, and so it's like pe- for people and a lot of people would say, oh, I'm not biased. I'm, you know, and it's like, you can't, you can't, it, it, it maybe it's not the, the thing that is a conscious effort to be biased, but we all have 
unconscious unconscious biases. Um, and so I, my question to you is how do you how do you deal with it when you see that creeping up, not just like in yourself, but when you see the opportunity to speak up in your courtroom about um, hey, you know, this is an example. You can't say that because, you know, you can't do that. You can't imply that. How, how, does, does that weigh on you as well? Absolutely. The, the courtroom is, is, is full of drama and, and dramas that have started outside of the courthouse um, play out within the, within the courtrooms. And so it, just like all other human interactions, uh, bias rears its head in a lot of different ways. It might be in selecting a jury. It might be in um, dealing with different defendants differently. Um, it might be via, via the bench, the DA's office, the probation department, the police department. It, it can come up at any stage in the processes that we deal with. And so um, right now, and, and since the murder of George Floyd, I, I think every organization has made um, some some big efforts to be introspective, to look at what they're doing, how they're doing it, why certain disparities exist. It's not just the criminal justice system. We in the criminal justice system get a lot of attention on this subject because obviously it's something public, everyone can see. Um, the outcomes are dramatic. You know, you might be going to jail or not. Um, and but we're, but it's not the only place that it plays out. And so um, we have been looking at bias as it occurs from the bench. And we know it occurs from the bench because of the outcomes yes. and, and, and yes. the outcomes specifically that judges uh, decide. So oh, bail. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, yes. Bail in which we know that still in Massachusetts, Okay, we're not talking about Mississippi or right. Alabama no, right. or North right. Carolina. Right. In right. Massachusetts, um, we're still imposing higher bail on black and brown people. Mm. And in sentencing, again, completely mm. within the purview of the judge, mm -hmm. uh, we are still in Massachusetts imposing longer, stiffer sentences on wow. black and brown people. Yeah. And yeah. so um, I have to look at that and think about that with every single case that comes in front of me, mm. uh, particularly in the criminal session. Yeah. Right now, I'm in the first session, and in the first session, I do impose a lot of bail um, uh, and conditions, and I do take pleas and do sentencing. And I try to be um, with myself as honest as I can be about the goals of sentencing, how I've treated similarly situated folks in the past. Mm -hmm. The past mm -hmm. might be yesterday, the past yeah. might be a year ago. Yeah. Um, anything that I'm thinking about the person that may not be true. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and thinking about other things that I can gather about the person to help make me, help me make a better decision. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think being present, uh, to the facts, because we've gone a long time where as judges, we sit around and talk and we could say, you know, oh yeah, we think there are disparities, but it's all anecdotal. So we don't really know. So we can just sort of rest on our laurels with, with how we're doing things. Now we've been smacked in the face with the numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and there, there's no escaping it. That's right. There is no escaping right. it. Um, on the court that I sit, the Superior Court of Massachusetts, there are now two Black judges. So you're looking at half the Black judges right now on the Superior Court. <laughs> and that's yeah. astonishing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's 
dismaying. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense in 2022 right. that in Massachusetts, the people who are indicted on criminal cases, so the most serious of cases, um, you're almost guaranteed in front of a white um, unless you just happen to find yourself in front of me or Judge Bill White. And um, that all plays into it. And it doesn't mean that um, <clears throat> that people of color don't have their own biases, but um, the, the outcomes that we see and the statistics that create the disparities are because of uh, so many like-minded people um, making decisions mm -hmm, and making mm -hmm. them in the same way with some of the same biases. Yeah. So we've also learned that for uh, criminal justice, the shade of your skin matters. Oh, sure. So it's not just you're black, you're getting a different outcome than a white person. It's, oh, you're darker, mm -hmm. you're getting the worst outcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your features are more African, you're getting the worst outcomes. Sure. And these are flat out numbers. Numbers, you know, yep. These aren't yep. Judge Fryson's opinion. These aren't uh, Dr. Perkins' opinion. Mm -hmm. These are numbers that are across the United States mm -hmm. uh, and, and they are atrocious. Mm -hmm. And you know, I have not been able to learn them and not constantly think about it because sure. of the work that I do. I'm sure. And because of the interactions I have every day with people. Mm -hmm. So I'm always asking myself, you know, am I making uh, some assumptions here that may not be warranted. Do I do I think differently about people, you know, from these cities or towns in Massachusetts? Um, do I think differently about people who have this in their background, who are this religion, who are this orientation? Yeah. Um, you know, you could go on and on. So I think just policing yourself is what we call in the Marine Corps. You got to police yourself. No mm -hmm. one can sit on your shoulder and be like, you know, you need to decide this because the last time you had a person like this, you right. said that. No one can be sitting on your shoulder like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's you. It's you yeah. and it's in your own head. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I just encourage people uh, so much when I talk to, to do that work. It's not work that anybody else sees. Yeah. You're not yeah. going to get any credit for the work. That's right. Um, That's right. So, but you still should do it Yeah. Um, yeah. for the sake of others. So. Yeah. No, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I've been, uh, you know, I've been in, in um, on committees where uh, at universities, uh, various universities where people are trying to decide what, what benefit of the doubt you give a student who uh, maybe didn't do well this semester. Do they have to take a semester off versus um, should they be suspended or expelled? But even in, you know, kind of um, uh, where it's integrity, uh, academic integrity questions that come up where someone's been accused of plagiarism or something else, it's like, was it plagiarism or fa failure to cite? Was it, yeah, you know, and yeah, so, you yeah, know, you have a certain right. degree of, and I'm sure that's what you're faced with in terms of interpretation. Yes. What was the, you know, trying to get inside people's head? What was their intent? Was, was it malicious or not? You know, and, and so I, I know exactly. So I want people yeah. who might be listening in on this to understand that the judgment, and I'm so glad you gave that example, that the judgment that you you have to put in your head is how have I positioned um, myself in this in to make this decision um, uh, previously 
Um, what what did I take into account? And and you know, you, you said something else that also struck me when you talked about the complexions of people, because um, I I think that that happens all the time. And as a dark skin, bald you know, large in statue, man, um, I, I feel like I get that a lot. You know, it's like you make assumptions about who I am. I've walked on airplanes and people make the assumption. I'm not, I mean, I haven't played football since I was a little kid, but, um, you know, they'll see maybe some, uh, my daughter went to, one of my daughters went to uh, uh, Ohio State and I might have on Ohio State sweatshirt or uh, UNC sweatshirt or something. And they'll ask, Oh, you played football? No, I didn't. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and so all of those things happen. And so, and and unfortunately, we're all in the same system where it influ like those influences, the things that we've seen um, happen, whether it's on television, those things creep into our our decisions as well. And so I'm just so happy to hear you say that when, you, when you're sitting down making those decisions, you are really thinking about those numbers. And that's what I think we all have to do. So it's not just whether or not you're a judge, whatever it right. is, you know, right. yeah, yeah. So even passing, you know, if you have to, if you're a person that is giving out uh, free coupons for whatever, like, you know, it's everything, everything. 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 Yeah. I, I often say to people, it's just, it can be as slight an interaction as who you let in front of you on the road. Um, it, 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 you know, it affects That's right. every single interaction. That's right. And so, um, you know, I think that, that's why I think it's not just work for judges and lawyers and people who are, you know, in sort of traditional roles of authority, uh, yeah. but, it, but it's for everybody. You could work in a store. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you yeah. do. Um, yeah. You, you are going to be deciding how you treat people, no matter yeah. what work you do. Even if you don't work, you're going to be deciding in whatever you do, how to treat people. And some of that information that we process really quickly, um, some of it's useful, some of it's not. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, listen, I know, look, we're already over our time. I could just go on and on. I've been, I've been um, waiting for this conversation and I'm, I'm so thankful. Remember my offer still stands. I told you, if you are in New York city this summer or next summer, I would love to have you come by and talk to our master students. And um, I would love for them to hear from you firsthand. Um, keep doing what you do. Your posts are great. I've been following and listening and watching. Um, so I appreciate you, um, and I look forward to uh, to continuing to talk and and learn from you. So um, thank you so uh, much. Yes, I really appreciate you. So uh, until we do meet, go well, stay well. Thank you. Thank you.